The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. On the lineup, he pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air in the left field. This one's got a chance. Turning Benintendi, Willie Adamas. With his first big league hit, it's a home run against Chris Sale. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good evening. Welcome to our latest show on deck today. Chaz Rowe on his leadership in the bullpen. Carlos Pena on the wild card race. Plus hear from three minor league players on their success stories this year as the postseason begins there. And the meaning of September call-ups to Nate Lowe and Daniel Robertson. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball. And our feature guest this week is Chaz Rowe. Uh, And Chaz, great to have you on the program. You know, the thing I hear from a lot of guys in that bullpen is that you have been kind of the leader of the group. When you hear that uh, about you, what does that mean to you? Uh, you know, it's a good feeling because uh, I've been on bullpens where I was the last person people looked for. You know, I've been on some real, real good bullpens. And this year I just happened to be the guy with the most service time and been around a little bit longer than everybody else. So, you know, they kind of looked at me. But like I said, those guys are professionals down there. They handle their business. They come to the ballpark every day, right? ready to play so it makes my job a lot easier what makes a good leader to you whether it's in the bullpen or otherwise just just by actions you know just just going out there and going about your business the right way and uh you know they follow that and we feed off each other down there and uh i think that's a big part of what we do down there you mentioned um that you had some bullpens that you learned from where you were probably one of the younger guys or less service guys who are the guys you learned from that taught you that right way who are your best examples coming through Especially when I first got called up with Arizona, JJ Putts, he was a big guy that I that I liked, and uh, then I went to the O's and Darren O'Day. I mean, I've had numerous guys and Jim Jim Johnson with the Braves. So I've had some good leaders up there and, and taught me the right way, the way to go about things, and just how to handle myself. What I think is amazing for you in this group is how you guys have weathered change. You know, I just pulled up the opening day roster and said, well, Jose Alvarado's on the injured list and Adam Cleric isn't here and Ryan Stanek isn't here and Wilmer Font's not here and Jalen Beeks is is pitching sometimes as a starter or, or behind a, an opener and it really you and Diego are the only guys who are still here who were in that bullpen on an opening day how have you guys weathered all that you know it's been tough uh especially with like I said the change is non-stop and then uh not knowing people's roles right off top and then uh, just kind of rolled into the the season you know, it was tough at first, but I think those, like I said, those guys were professionals. They they picked up right where those guys left off, and we got some some really good guys come, that came in with Anderson, and uh, you know, it, he's been unbelievable since he's been over here. So, I think everybody just fun, kind of fell into a groove, and you know, we find our way. And Emilio and Oliver Drake, all those guys have kind of figured it out. What's the personality of that group down there like? It's laid back. You know, we have a good time down there. We. We rag on each other, but uh, at the same time, we, we we have each other's backs. We know when people go out there, we want to go out there and help them. You know, if they come out in a tough spot, you know, it's our job to the next guy up. And obviously, next guy up has done his job. We're chatting with Chaz Rowe, and this week in race baseball, this place, what has it meant to you, um, Tampa Bay? Because I, I now looked at it, you've got almost maybe two thirds of your appearances in the big leagues with this organization and the majors. Yeah, these guys have been great. Um, from top to bottom, staff to 
organization. They, they've helped me out a lot, and, and, you know, I can't thank them enough to give me the opportunity to, to lead out my career here. What have they done? You know, you say they helped you out a lot. Where are the areas that they've helped you most, and, and what areas have they helped you? Just being open communication-wise. Um, they let me know what's going on and the things that's going to happen. So, you know, just, just that, just having that, it helps out a lot, just knowing what's going to happen. Has the patience meant more than anything? Because, as you know, having been through this, there are a lot of organizations that you have a bad week, a bad two weeks, a bad month, they move on to the next guy. This group stuck with a lot of guys through tough moments. Uh, I think Colin Poche had some tough moments. You had some tough moments. Emilio had some tough moments, but they kind of rode the wave. Absolutely. like that, That's huge, too, because that's going to happen here in the big leagues. You know? You're going to go through times where, where you're struggling, and you just got to keep battling through it. And like I said, like you said, they had patience with a couple of us down there, and, you know, we kind of broke through it. What um, were you going through earlier in this year? Because I remember the start of spring, you were kind of delayed because of some illness you had in the off season. What did you have to deal with, and then what got you kind of over the hump? Because obviously you're pitching at a tremendous level right now. Just pretty much just keep going out there and throwing. <laughs> I can honestly not tell you what the difference is from now to then. It's just probably confidence, just more reps. And then it just takes that one pitch, that one feel to get back. And be, oh, that's what that felt like. And then you get back into it. And uh, it just took me a while to find that. You do something, though, different that um, we've noticed that a lot of guys don't do. You will move on different spots of the rubber, not only from batter to batter, but sometimes even pitch to pitch. When did that start? Why did that start? And why do you think it works for you? Because a lot of guys, they move just from one side of the rubber to the middle of the rubber, and all of a sudden it feels foreign to them. I just started a little bit last year, um, and then I started doing a little bit more consistent this year. I think it just helps me get a different angle on the hitter because, you know, if I throw the slider from the same same position every time. They see where it starts, and they can know where it's in that word, to take it or, or not swing. Um, so if I move on the other side of the rubber, it starts at different points, and I think it gives them just a different look. Do you like certain areas for certain types of hitters, or does it matter who you're facing, or what's kind of the thought, and or does it change from batter to batter? It really changed from batter to batter. I just see what during that at bat, I'll, I'll pick out a spot to do it. Just maybe the pitch before, okay, he was out on front of that, or you know, I got him up and in, or whatever, you know. And that's when I usually just change from, from uh, hit, pitch to pitch or batter to batter. Because it's amazing not many guys do that. Not only on the mound, but you even see hitters at the plate. They rarely move in the box. There used to be guys would move up or back or front or back. You're one of the few guys. It's kind of an old school trait. Yeah, you know, it's helped me out a lot. I think it's given me a, a pretty good advantage, especially the lefties. It's able to, uh, allowed me to cover more of the plate with the slider and, and leave the sinker on the plate as well. Obviously, you're having a lot of success with it some of your sliders you know have gone viral is there a favorite one and do you even go look at those videos that have uh, kind of circulated of some of the swings awkward looks you get i actually don't go and look at them i get them, my, all my buddies back home and usually send them to me but uh yeah i've had some good ones i think my favorite one was probably still against the blue jays a couple of years ago when i was with the o's i think it was against uh a catcher they had over there i forgot his name martin martin yeah russell martin he was over there i think it was one of those i think he actually didn't swing at it, which was surprising, but that was probably my favorite one. You, you freeze hitters with a slider like that, there's no question. I think people also forget the family aspect of this game, too. And congratulations. I know you had your third, right? You got three girls now? Three girls, yeah. Um, what, uh, Mila, Taylor, and Blaze are the three? Correct, yep. So what's that like now? You guys have zone defense. Um, <laughs> and how challenging was that? Because 
Um, I know your your oldest, your two oldest, are back in school now. Yes, his two oldest are back in school back in Kentucky. Um, my wife's handling that. She's a soldier with it. Um, she takes care of all that. She makes sure they know where they're supposed to be at, you know, how to handle things. So she does a heck of a job with it. And they get out here during the summer when the when the school's out. So it's always, always awesome to have them out here with me. They support me every day, so it, it's really good. And I understand you're, you know, she had tweeted out, your wife Sarah tweeted out a lot of positive stuff about you during the course of the season. How much does being a dad help you kind of separate baseball from your family it puts things in perspective you know say if you have a bad game here and then you go home and you know you have three girls crawling on you so it's it, it puts things in perspective um and it it makes you work harder you know just, just trying to put them in the right position in life to, to succeed and just show them the right way to go about things is it harder now because they are in school for you or when they were in school at the beginning of the season to to not have them here then let's say maybe years past where they were with you probably all season it is harder it's definitely harder um like i said those my wife and my kids they support me 100 percent, and they're always got my back and to have them here beside me when they're here is is unbelievable and it hurts a little bit when i leave but you know it's only a month and a half so it'll be all right what do you do then when obviously when it's a day off in season and they're here i assume you do a lot of family time stuff what do you do when it's not, do you, I mean, I know you're a hunter and, and you like the outdoors. What do you do normally on an off day when they're not here? Are there, do you get, even find it? Can you even do any hunting at this time of year? During the, uh, during spring training, I did a couple of times. Hmm. I went down and did a little bit of hog hunting, but during the season, you know, when they're here, I just kind of hang out They're my, my two oldest are fish. They love, they love the fish and they love to be in the water. So the crazy things, they don't, they hate the beach. They hate the sand, but we have a pool in the backyard, and they, they're in there all day from sun to sundown. So whenever we have an off day, it's definitely definitely fun to hang out with each other. What kind of fish do you like uh, catching? And Is it mostly just kind of uh, in a little river or a creek, or do you do any kind of deep sea or anything like that? Not a big deep sea guy. I don't really like the ocean that much. So <laughs> back home we got a pond at, at the farm I hunt at, so I take them up there, and they love it. I mean, they're they're in there all the time wanting to fish, so. I always take them out there. They catch bluegill and catfish. So, and I remember when we spoke with you last year, they've hunted with you too, a little bit. My oldest one has. She's sitting in the blind with me a couple of times. Uh, it's tough to keep her quiet, but <laughs> she, she's getting better at it. So hopefully, she can shoot her first deer this year. When you've got, I guess, were you uh, are you done now with three girls, or you're outnumbered? <laughs> I'm done. Definitely done. Wife wants to try for a boy, but I, no, I'm good with the three. <laughs> for you, what's this? family group meant to you last year here you guys won 90 games you're on a pace to do more than that and what would it mean to get to the playoffs for you for the uh first time with this group it'd be unbelievable i've never been to the playoffs before so a couple of the guys here have and I, they say how much fun it is and i can't wait to, to experience that what do you think it'll take these last few weeks of the season and, and how much do you like the way this group is going right now i think we handle failure pretty good um we bounce back pretty quick we don't let things bother us for that, that long of a period of time. We have short memories, and uh, we come back the next day and ready to go. Is this as much fun if you, as you've had in the game this year, despite maybe the challenges that occurred in the first month? Absolutely. Like This team's unbelievable, the, what they put together here and, and what we have accomplished so far, and, and I'm looking forward to keep going. What have Kyle and Stan meant, and what, what makes them 
good guys to you and to so many guys on this pitching staff? I think they're the reason why the, we are the way we are down in that bullpen, this pitching staff, period, the way we've been throwing the ball lately. Just being able to bounce ideas off them because they, they, they've been here. They, they know what, the, what, what it's like. They know what it's like to struggle. They know what it's like to succeed. So they, they, don't, they don't pressure you to do anything. They just keep flowing positive vibes at your way, and, and I think that's what helps a lot. Well, we hope the positive vibes continue. We're happy the way things are going for you and for the whole group down there, and we certainly appreciate some time on this week in Rays Baseball. I appreciate having me. Thank you. That is Chaz Rowe, and we'll continue in just a moment. You are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. On Thursday, the Rays were the YouTube game of the week against the Toronto Blue Jays. One of the analysts was former Rays All-Star Carlos Pena, and I asked Carlos what it meant to be back and if he still thinks about the playoff years when he returns. Oh, my goodness. What a question. Uh, um, I, I think you know the answer to that. I mean, it, honestly, it's a, it's an emotional ride every single time I step into the trop. You know, just going up the stairs there by, by the dugout. You know, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Just like if it was yesterday, I was coming down these stairs with my cleats on, getting ready for a ball game, all the great times, seeing everyone, that the people that still work here at the ballpark. I'm talking about ushers. I'm talking about the ladies at the restaurant downstairs or upstairs, the elevator, you know, Anita in the elevator. It doesn't really matter. Every single time I come, it hits me. It's like this place is a special place for the Pena family and certainly for me. You come here at a time where the Rays are competing for a playoff spot. How do you feel seeing them back really truly in the hunt this year? It's excellent. I mean, it's exciting to see the team come together. It's exciting to see um, you know, them playing in synergy, kind of like the same way we did in 2008. You know, People may, may have not, well, I know people did not expect us to really come on so strong in 2008. Uh, and I think that's been like a, the common um, theme with the race. Like, oh, the race are not really expected to to contend, and here they are. You know, just a little bit to go in the season, and and holding a wild sparse, wild card spot right here, right now. You know, they're gonna have to fight all the way to the end to battle off the A's and and the Indians, but they seem poised and ready to do so. What do you think would be a separator? Um, what will determine it? Because all three of these teams are very good. There's going to be one team that's going to be very disappointed not to make the postseason. I think if if the Rays are able to get healthy, you know, it's key, especially when we're talking about their pitching. You know, uh, Blake Snell, uh, Glasnow, you know, and just get him, um, get him on the mound. Even if it is for maybe we don't expect them to throw seven innings, but maybe even as an opener, you know, just being a factor, it really just sets him above. Uh, every other team. I mean, these guys are just mentioning these names. You understand why having them healthy and throwing the baseball, it's its a huge factor. You mentioned openers as a longtime hitter yourself. How difficult would it have been for you to see openers to start a game, to see four different pitchers in a given ball game as a hitter? Well, you better, you better have your, your plan set because, you know, I, I'm a big believer in understanding what every single pitcher does and instead of kind of like defaulting every everybody and saying this is the way I hit and I just approach everybody the same I think that's a mistake even though you would uh, you know be right uh, uh, some of the time you know uh, just based on probabilities and statistics but I like just having a plan for each specific pitcher now think about openers and everyone coming in out of the bullpen then you would have to have five maybe different plans four different plans instead of just one 
and then if they bring in a closer or you know a, a, you know a guy from the pen in the middle, it's a lot easier to deal with, right? Especially the first three at bats, you're only facing one guy. But think about having your know, four different at bats facing four different pitchers. It's definitely uh, more challenging. What hasn't changed since when you played is these expanded rosters in September. How, how difficult is that? And are you kind of glad? I know the Rays need it with all the injuries they've had. You mentioned Snell, Glass, now Yanni Chirinos. But it is difficult knowing that the other team has an 18-man bullpen or a 15-man bullpen or something like that, which will go away starting next year. Yeah, wow. I'm glad for the Rays that this is the case now because it does definitely um, open up possibilities for Kevin uh, Cash to play around. You know, and I, I managers nowadays and front offices nowadays are like, you know, they're just playing chess. And you have all these pieces and all these players that have this distinct uh, um, abilities, right, and specific abilities. And you can use them in different places and match them up and make moves, kind of like a chess game, right, on a, in a chess board. But at the same time, I think it, it could get kind of confusing and complicated as well, finding uh, what works. I think the race, what they're going to do here is they understand they have a cushion with uh, the new guys coming in to help. But the key contributors that have been contributing over the, the course of the season, they're expected to continue to do so uh, in understanding that, yeah, they do have some backup and some support, but uh, they want to they want to come to play. I was talking to the guys. They, they understand what they're up, up against, and they, they understand what's at stake. No question. Are you enjoying this? You're, you're doing a game here for YouTube. You're doing a lot of work on MLB Network. How much are you enjoying this, and how much do you miss the field? Oh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. This is one of this is actually a dream come true. You know, when I was a kid and I wanted to be a major league baseball player, I used to call my own games. Right when I'm envisioning myself playing, I used to call my own games. Here comes Carlos Pena and strike on the outside corner. He steps out. You know, I used to call my own games, play by play, on my mind. So it's like, wait a second, I was practicing this even before I became a major league baseball player, and now I'm doing it on TV. Wow, that's pretty cool, right? Uh, to think back, what? I'm going to tell you my age, but 30 years, you know, 34 years ago, 35 years ago, I was doing that. And and here I am doing it now at the MLB Network and at Nesson, and I'm having a lot of fun. But I miss hitting home runs, man. I really do. A lot. I mean, that's the one thing I want. I want that contact, and then I want to hear the, 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 the fog horns go off. Come on. And Placata. <laughs> Placata. You know, I like it. I'm, I'm glad you're paying attention. I'm glad you're paying attention to Placatas. Placatas is like that thing, you know, that thing. Uh, um, and it's really what I miss the most uh, out of not being on the field is going Placata. That's it. And, yeah, and it's been done a lot this year. Is it good? Do we – I mean, the home run ball has obviously become a big part of it. Does there need to be a, a little more of a balance to you? No, I like <laughs> – I love Placatas. Are you kidding me? The more, the, the better, you know, in my mind. But yeah, they are flying out at an incredible rate, you know. And and uh, we, I don't know if the, the ball, baseballs are wound up a little bit tighter or whatever it is, but it does make for a more exciting game. I know that there are some baseball purists that will say, "Well, we like those uh, close, nothing, nothing games where there's a pitcher's duel." But in all honesty, I like seeing offense. And I think, I mean, I may be wrong. Okay, maybe we should go do a some a survey or something. And a, and a vote, and to see what fans prefer. I like to see home runs. Yes, strikeouts, all that, but mix in my home runs. If I don't have home runs, then to me it makes for a more boring game. That's right. me. I'm a hitter, though. What do you expect? Well, hopefully <laughs> lots of home runs for the Rays in these final few weeks. Los, great to see you, and glad to see you enjoying yourself uh, doing work on MLB Network. Thanks, man. It's always a pleasure to see you, and always a pleasure to come home. Come home.
And that is Carlos Pena again now with MLB Network. He worked Thursday for MLB on YouTube. Let's pause right now for station identification. This is the Race Baseball Network. WDAE St. Petersburg, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and W237CW Pinellas Park. Coming up, three Rays minor league stories of players on teams that made the postseason, plus some perspective on September call-ups. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. This week, Hudson Valley, Bowling Green, Montgomery, and Durham begin postseason play. Bowling Green had three Midwest League postseason all-stars, one of them catcher Chris Betts. And I asked Chris what that honor meant. It meant a lot, especially, you know, the league that we had this year and all the good talent that we played against. So it's, it's always good to be recognized, especially in a league as deep as this one this year. Was it more satisfying because of how talented the league was or more satisfied based on kind of your story um, and, and your journey to this point? Definitely the journey is a huge part of it. This year's been really big for my confidence and, and everything, you know, just being able to go out to the field healthy every day with or without good numbers um, has, been, has been extremely rewarding. So definitely really important to me just for everything I've been through. I'm just happy to be back to full health and strength. For our fans who may not know, again, you shortly after you were drafted uh, as a catcher, you had to undergo Tommy John surgery, but you had to deal with a whole lot more than that. Give our fans kind of a, a very short synopsis of what you've been through. Uh, yeah, so like you said, Tommy John right after the draft, came back rehab and then played for about a month in 2016. Had a pretty rough 2016 or pretty rough last month of 2016 showed up in spring training for what I thought I was healthy and ready to go and about six weeks after camp started and into extended as well broke off some bone spurs in my elbow on a swing that ended up needing to be you know taken out and shaved down and whatnot and ended up missing all of 2017 came back in 2018 for three quarters of the year and this is my first full healthy non no issues year and been a long long time coming how'd you feel physically getting through it because it's not the easiest thing for your first full pro season I think just the pain that I've been through before with rehab and that, that whole grind set me up for this to, to be ready for it. So here we are in, in late August, and I'm still feeling good and ready to go every day. What are you most pleased about in terms of what you accomplished this year, beyond the fact that you stayed on the field, but in terms of you know what you did behind the plate, what you did next to the plate, uh, what did you like most? Uh, that's a hard one. I'm uh, definitely, definitely proud of just the production. You know, I, I feel like... I wasn't as good of a hitter as I could have been this year. I would have liked to see myself just in terms of average and size and fight and whatnot be a, be a better hitter in that aspect, but also just producing with runners on and scoring runs for the team and helping guys win games. And, and then also behind the plate, just really proud of the work I did and, and trying to help a really good pitching staff that we have this year kind of just go along and be a little extension for them back there and, and help them get through games. Where did you improve, and, and have you thought already about where you want to grow next year? Definitely, I improved this year on just a, a little bit of strike zone judgment, and you know I got my walks up and my walk percentage up. And, and then definitely going into the off season, I have not a long list, but a list of quite a few things I want to work on. You know, from being cutting down the swing and miss, and and just keep putting balls and play hard, but just at a higher rate. I think I'm an even better hitter than what I've showed this year, so I'm really excited to get to the off season and just keep working and refining it, so I can hopefully check off some more boxes next year. I know there was a young catcher with you in uh, in Bowling Green and Roberto Alvarez. Did you guys push one another? How much did he help you during the course of this year? Uh, he, he helped me a 
lot. I mean, he's one of my best friends on the team, and you know, we talk every day, whether it's about pitchers or hitting or just just the normal banter back and forth. But he's an awesome kid, and you know, I love love sharing a clubhouse with him, and and we've done nothing but good things for each other this year. I think. Caleb Sampin was the one pitcher among this year's group, a talented group in Bowling Green that made the postseason all-star team. What to you is a guy who caught him made him special? Well, I caught him, and he's also been my roommate on the road this year, so I've spent plenty of time with him. And, and I think just his ability to throw five pitches for strikes, all have the capability of being a strikeout pitch, and then more importantly, he's just kind of relentless in the work that he puts in and, and the, the study he puts into himself. And it's, it's pretty remarkable, the stuff that he can just decide he wants to try and do and he'll figure out a way to do it. Catching him is really easy. I just I always tell him, just shake till you get what you want, and he ends up having a pretty good outing each time. I know you guys had a good staff there, but how challenging has it been for you over the course of the year to learn so many different guys? Because this is probably one of the few years in Bowling Green where they've moved a lot of guys up. Uh, I mean, I know Michael Plasmeyer started the year with you. Shane McClanahan started the year with you guys. And there were several others who moved up, too. Um, and then Shane Boz and, and uh, Matthew Libertor, they both came during the course of the year, along with, I think, Christopher Ogando, Joel Peguero. I can go on and on. You had a lot of guys to learn. That was a, a tall task, but then you also you look at their numbers and, and the kind of numbers that they put up, and there hasn't been many guys that weren't just kind of a walk in the park to catch because we've had a lot of really talented guys take the mound for us. And then you know, all the names you listed, especially the starters that got moved up early on, I mean, it was it was a walk in the park. Joe Ryan, Plasmeyer, McClanahan, you know, you get back there and you go with the game plan, and they were just really, really good at executing that game plan. They might have really easy. Of all the guys you caught, I'm just kind of curious, since you caught so many guys this year, who had the nastiest stuff and why? That's a tough one. I'd have to say it's, it's got to be Joe Ryan and, and Sampin, for sure. Just the, the combination of, you know, you have Joe Ryan and, and the straight confusion that it would look like hitters had when, when he's out there pitching. You know, you got guys swinging and missing at a fastball and just turning around and saying, what was that? <laughs> And then, you know, with, with Sampin, you, like I said, he's got every pitch you can want in the repertoire and just throws it with command and efficiency and kind of just puts anything he wants wherever he wants it and gets some pretty good swings and misses and just always seems to have pretty effortless outings. Sounds like it's been certainly a pretty fun year for you to catch all those guys. For you, what would, personally was your best moment? Did it occur at the All-Star game? Yeah, I mean, that, that was great. That was really fun. It's hard for me to say because there's been a lot. There's, some, there's been some big hits some big home runs, some big team wins and whatnot, but that's definitely, that's definitely up there. It's a hard one for me to answer, though. But, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to go with the home run derby. That was Going into it, I wasn't expecting to to win it at all. So to end up walking out with, with winning that was, was pretty special, pretty fun. And that is Chris Betts, a catcher in Midwest League postseason All-Star. He was joined on that team by Caleb Sampin, who was traded from the Dodgers for Jamie Schultz this year, and certainly it was a pretty good year for Sampin in the race system definitely a cool feeling um you know you always like to be you know honored in that kind of stuff especially with with the great players that were also on that uh so that was definitely pretty cool you know just trying to trying to give your team uh a best chance to win all year and that's pretty much was the main focus and and that kind of stuff just takes care of itself um at the end of the year so but yeah definitely just an honor to be um, selected to that team with a really good bunch of players what were your expectations going into the year, and uh, can you tell us what it was like when you found out you got traded from uh, the uh, the Dodgers to the Rays? Yeah, um, I mean, my expectations was just to, you know, continue to work on my craft and, and feel like I was a better pitcher by the end of the season than I was at the beginning. That was, you know, that was my main focus. And then as for being traded, 
that was uh, it was definitely a shock to me because it happened pretty quick. Like I was just I was drafted 2018 draft, and I was I was working out with uh, with one of my former Dodger teammates in New Orleans at the time, and just get a call saying, "Hey man, you know you've been traded." And I was kind of just I didn't know what to think at first, but then after you know after talking to my dad and everything, I was I was pretty excited to be a part of the Rays organization because you know they have a really good track record. Uh, with developing pitchers, so that was that was pretty exciting. You mentioned your dad; he's a former major league pitcher. How much do you rely on him for help versus, let's say, the pitching coach that you had now in Bowling Green and Brian Reith? Yeah, well, obviously, growing up, um, you know, I played catch with my dad all the time, and, and he pretty much taught me everything I know to this point. You know, on and off the field, just how to how to deal with the game uh, more than just like mechanics. But our, our pitching coach here in Bowling Green, Brian Reese, does a great job. Um, you know, I'm, I'm with him every day. Um, I only get to talk to my dad so much, and it's hard for him. Um, you know, he doesn't see every time I play catch, every time I throw a bullpen. Um, so it's more more talking to my dad is just kind of like ideas, things things to work on for the future. But Brian does a really, really good job with us, you know, working one-on-one and, and trying to get the most out of us. How do you think you've grown this year? Obviously, you've put up good results. I think I – think Working all my pitches in in all counts is something that has helped me a lot this year. Um, I, I think in the past, kind of relied on just the book of you know fastball early, off speed late, and and at this level, hitters and scouting reports pick up on that kind of stuff. Um, so just being able to adapt, you know, in game, at bat to at bat, pitch to pitch. Know, recognize the kind of swings the guys are taking, and then changing the game plan from there um, has, has been the biggest thing for me this year. For our fans who may not know, what kind of pitches do you throw and, and what maybe has evolved the most this year in a positive way? Yeah, so I throw I throw a four-seam fastball, I throw a sinker, um, a cutter, a curveball, and a changeup. And I would say for me, uh, the biggest biggest thing I've changed this year with, with my pitch repertoire is uh, at my, my fastball. Um, in the past, I pretty much just threw all sinkers, especially in college. But um, now with, with the technology and, and things that we're using, um, I'm trying to use my, my four-seam fastball, get good backspin on it, use it up in the zone for you know, a swing and miss pitch, and then being able to pair that with my curveball. Um, so instead of just relying on sinker cutter to get ground balls, being able to go north and south with, with the four seam of the curveball um, has helped me a lot, and something I'm still working on to this day. How much has the data helped you, and how much do you rely on it? Because every guy's different with that. I see some guys that just like throwing fastballs up in the zone and getting swings and misses. You know, why is that? Well, you can look at the, the numbers and figure out why, and you know you can see you can see different like potential in pitches, and maybe a guy has good spin rate but doesn't you know use the ball up in the zone that kind of there's potential for him to to use that up there so so things like that you know it's really cool just to, to you know what type of pitcher you really are um, rather than just what pitches you throw how who's your catch partner and how helpful has he been because i know that you guys have a lot of talented guys who've put up really good numbers this year some have moved on some have joined you during the year who's worked with you man i've had a lot of catch partners this year i started off with with Trey Cumbie, who's now in high A. Mm-hmm. He was my catch partner until he moved up, and then since then I've kind of just been rotating around. I'll play catch with Boz, Nick Padilla, Nick Springle, Alan Strong, Ethan McGee. I kind of I rotated around, but yeah, I mean catch play catch play is where you're doing you know 90% of your throws, so that's uh, that's really important for you know, pitch development and just focus for command work too. 
And as talented as this group is or has been during the course of the year in Bowling Green, how much has it helped you just in terms of friendly competition, the fact that you guys push one another? Yeah, I think I think that it's contagious. Success is contagious. So having having guys that want to work hard and, and have a lot of success around you, like you said, it pushes you because you know you don't want to be the guy left behind or hurting the team. So um, having having a whole staff that can go out there and get the job done pretty much every night, it's really a really fun group to be around. And I'm sure being someone who's uh, come from a baseball family, you've probably even given thought to this a little bit. How do you want to grow next year? Have you started to think about kind of an off-season game plan yeah a little bit i'm not i'm not exactly sure what i'm doing this off-season there's a couple things a couple things in the works that that i definitely uh want to work on maybe some lower half mechanics just cleaning things up to just you know being more consistent uh with all my stuff so yeah hopefully hopefully it's going to be an exciting off-season i can come back even better um for the beginning of next year and that is Caleb Sampin, one of three postseason All-Stars for Bowling Green. The Hot Rods were knocked out in the opening round but still had a terrific regular season. Certainly, it's great to have five race affiliates qualify for the playoffs this year, but also to learn unique stories of the team's prospects. And one can argue no story is as unique as Jack Lebowski, a former Duke standout who lives with his fiance Maddie, in a renovated school bus. And I asked Jack how the whole idea came about. In Hudson Valley last year in the bullpen, it was just a lot of time to sit and think. I wanted to live with my girlfriend and live a little cheaper, be able to move around. So RVs seemed like the way to go. And then looked at some RVs and the price range was way over budget. So I uh, got to looking through the internet and some people had renovated school buses and I figured I could you know, take my shot at that and just kind of took the leap in late October of our first off season and just made it happen. So it was, it was a little bit you know, impulse decision, but there was some planning going into it. And it's worked out well so far, so I'm happy with it. Are you um, a handy guy by nature, and how much did you have to learn on the fly? I'm pretty handy. I can build some things. I kind of tinker with, you know, certain mechanics, things, car, or, you know, what have you. But a lot of learning through the Internet, through YouTube, a lot of YouTube videos, uh, calling home to learn from my parents. My dad's a pretty handy guy, and so I've learned from him basically my whole life how to fix things. And then learning on the fly a lot of the time too thing you're most proud of in that bus and thing that you're like ah this took a little longer than i thought or maybe i probably need a do-over in the off season i'm pretty proud of just how it feels once you get inside it feels like an rv you don't really have the you know the same mentality looking at it from the outside like wow that used to be a school bus on the inside it's super comfortable me and maddie are both happy with it and everything works functionally perfectly so I'm really happy everything came out square. Things I would change, I guess I would change the layout a little bit. We have, you know, a couch and a TV in one area and then the bed in the back. We've realized after living in it for almost the full season that we could have, you know, had the the TV in the bedroom and just kind of used our space a little better. And there's only, you know, limited space inside the school bus. So definitely the usage of space I would have changed a little bit. Can you do that in the off season or I could if I were to tear it all apart again so that might be a couple years down the road but yeah for right now it's it is what it is but we like it square footage total in there is what the inside is 22 feet by seven and a half so like 150 ish square feet of living space um the height's only six foot three so i basically max out the inside of the bus height um so yeah it's a little it's a little tight in there but it's comfortable so give us some context because, I mean, you're what, 22nd round pick out of, out of Duke. This is your first full season in the minor leagues. 
you were a very small bonus guy, right? Give us context and, and what fans would probably not understand about minor league life. Yeah, so uh, 22nd rounder out of Duke. I originally signed for a thousand bucks, and then down the road, like halfway through the season, some money moved around, and I ended up getting three thousand, which was like, wow, big bonus, 200 percent on my money. But yeah, it was uh, it was nice, you know, just being able to play professional baseball. I knew I had a shot to do it, and then getting into professional baseball is a little different. Hudson, you live with a host family which was awesome. I had a great host family. But then moving forward, um, you have living on your own, off-season living, spring training, stuff like that. So, yeah, there's definitely a hurdle to jump with rent and things. Also, living with my girlfriend, I know in Bowling Green they supply apartments that you can pay for, but you're living with teammates and stuff, so I didn't really want to be, you know, in an uncomfortable situation being close with my girlfriend. And so there's a lot of, like, hoops to jump through in the minor league lifestyle you can move on the fly if you get traded or moved up or down I've had friends get traded already from the Carolina League and they got to up and go to the California League so across the country you know all kinds of different things it's kind of a, a liquid situation I guess so the bus worked out perfectly for what we're looking for most of college baseball they're not full scholarship guys you're what 11-7 that's divided among guys did you still have debt coming out of college too yeah I do I'm I was offered a scholarship to play at Duke and the way the financial aid kind of things work out. I technically wasn't on baseball scholarship. I got financial aid from the school. So I had a lot of help from the school getting through. As you know, everyone knows, college is pretty expensive. So I do have some debt uh, coming out of school. So saving money where I can is definitely a plus. So what kind of off-season stuff do you plan to do? Because people don't realize minor league guys, especially at day ball level, are making well, between 1000 and $1,500 a month during the season only. Yeah, I mean, uh, once the season's over, most guys have to go find part-time work through the off-season while they're training. Maddie and I are going to be in Port Charlotte. Uh, I'm going to be substitute teaching for a little while and then going back home to California for the holidays and things. I have bartending experience, so that's probably what I'm going to do. Good tips, good hours. So just kind of juggling work and training during the offseason, um, you know, plays a part. And then it's nice to have my house already, you know, situated. <laughs> yes, it is. How, how great has she been in all this, Maddie? And, and she is a pretty talented athlete in her own right. She went to Wingate, but yeah, she's definitely a talented athlete. She ran cross country and track through school. She's completed the Boston Marathon this past April, and we're heading to Greece in November for her to run the original marathon to Athens. So that'll be a fun situation. She's probably a better athlete than I am in most respects. But, yeah, she's been awesome through the whole thing, helping me build it. She designed most of it. I was more of the brawn. She was the brains behind everything. And, you know, just kind of keeping everything pretty level-headed. I would have days where it was a crazy work day, and I couldn't really I'd get frustrated with certain building parts of the bus and I'd come home and she's like no you got this just do this and that and kind of you know keeping me level-headed which was awesome but yeah it's you know a team effort so she's been been a big part of it and you mentioned work you had a really good year you skipped Bowling Green you went straight from Hudson Valley to Port Charlotte what's that been like and how have you grown it's been awesome um, the first full season is definitely somewhat something everyone talks about you know as being difficult and you got to make adjustments on the fly. Most guys aren't used to playing this much of the year, which is all true. You know, a lot of adjustments to be made. But I've been pleased with how I performed and, you know, excited to move forward um, in the organization and being able to skip a level. During spring training, I was sent to extended, which typically isn't, you know, where you want to be. I didn't get to break with a team. 
but you know it's been kind of a blessing in disguise to be able to come here and you know still work a full season and improve on the way how have you improved and what's your for fans who haven't seen you what's your stuff yeah I've improved more against you know just quality hitting playing the ACC in college there's obviously good hitting but you know with college ball there's some drop off professional baseball the levels you go up it just gets better and better so you have to improve you know how you pitch guys what situations arise pitch wise stuff you know sinker fastball change up and a slider and just kind of throwing a ton of strikes that's my my game and you know being able to improve on all those things has been big and to get back to the work that you guys have done and the travel you've done, you've kind of made it fun with your Instagram account. Does uh, Maddie run that? Do you run that? And let people know where they can find it. Yeah, Maddie runs it uh, most of the time. It's at the Great Bus Adventure, and it's me and her's whole story going through. You can see pictures of the build and stuff. She's coaching a cross-country team, so she's always throwing stuff on there of you know her uh, career and me playing baseball and just kind of what we do with our life. And it's been a fun uh, Fun experience to have a bunch of people following what we do. In this day and age, people monetize that a lot. Have you guys thought about a YouTube channel, or or is that in the works, or what's next? Because odd jobs, I mean, that's yeah. can, can be a living almost. Yeah, uh, we haven't, you know, really thought about monetizing it. Originally, the account was for family to kind of see what we've been doing back home, so we didn't have to send everybody every picture and things. They could just go find it on the internet. But yeah, since it's blown up, it's been really cool. We've had a couple people put our story through the news through tv shows and things and so it's like yeah we uh we haven't had an idea to monetize it yet i guess that could be in the future and in the meantime you want to make sure that people know you first about pitching yeah definitely me and maddie are first and foremost baseball and her career as a runner so yeah i'm ready to do what it takes to get to the big league someday she's ready to complete her goals as a marathon runner and it's just kind of a fun backstory to us that we're living in a school bus and that is Jack Lebowski, who actually joined Durham for the postseason since the Florida State League playoffs with Port Charlotte were canceled due to Hurricane Dorian. And hopefully someday we're talking about Lebowski's first big league call-up. Well, here in September, Nate Lowe was recalled with the first group on the first of this month, something he didn't take for granted. It shows that uh, the team really is in the running, you know, if we're going to get all hands on deck as soon as possible September 1st. So, you know, we like where we're at. You know, we got we still got a pretty tough stretch ahead of us, but... You know, being able to expand the rosters and get the pieces here that we have now on the 1st of September instead of waiting until the Bulls playoffs finish was um, was definitely pretty cool because they think that everyone they brought up is going to help win this with uh, wildcard race. Were you thinking about it? Because it's natural if you're in August to start thinking, hey, am I getting called up September 1st? When might they call me up? Will they call me up? Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely on my brain because I know Last year we had a, a lot of roster guys that stayed through the entire playoff run that um, really could have helped the big club win and obviously helped us get to the uh, championship game. So, you know, being able to, you know, get get here, get back to where we can win on the biggest stage possible was huge. And, you know, we're just, we're all thankful to be here again. What have you learned this year about yourself and what have you enjoyed most? You know, being around all the guys in two different places and being able to feel like I'm helping on two different teams is something that, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to cherish from from this season, and you know, obviously getting my first shot at the big leagues to to have some success here and there, and then now have this September stretch where I feel really good coming down to the uh, last couple games of the year. You know, it's it's great to see where my body is and see where my brain is for the first time that I get to play through. You know, I'm not going to play all 162, but to be around through the last you know 140, 150, 160, and then you know the postseason is. Uh, 
it's pretty cool. And then now we've got a good grasp for what we need to do this offseason to get ready for all 162, hopefully next year. What have you learned about yourself? You're like, okay, I got did this and helped me get ready for this year. And that helped. Now what do you want to do? Have you started to think about what that is then? Yeah, you know, this this team values um, values defense a lot. And, you know, I don't feel like my, my defensive game is bad at all. But obviously there's room for improvement. It may not be just for space. And, you know, if they need me to step in and play a couple innings at third or, you know, obviously play first or DH or do what I can to help this team win, we're going to have to get on it sooner in the offseason rather than just kind of have it be a byproduct of, just working all together. It's definitely giving me more of a focus. I know that Rodney has a really good reputation with the work for the infielders. What have you done with him, and how much can that help you in terms of your offseason routine? Uh, Rodney's great. You know, he's out there early with his racquetballs and with his first step drills, and they're really good at uh, making sure we're in the right spot all the time um, because, you know, it's no secret we're a big shift team, big defensive change team. So him being there and then being able to work with Brady and Durham a lot helped a ton got me all over the infield I take some ground balls at short take them at second sometimes and you know I I don't think there's ever a shot that I would have to play up the middle or get the chance to play up the middle but doing things like that and early work just to change it up help my feet move and help make me a more complete defender and offensively how do you think you've grown this year and there are certain things that you also want to incorporate down the stretch here that will lead into next year you know offensively like number wise it's been all right but I still don't feel like I'm anywhere near my true potential and you know there's some aggression things that we're going to have to get into and kind of fine-tune for the offseason because I've gotten a lot of pitches that I've either missed or taken those are pitches that the elite definitely don't like go by twice and they get them the first time so being able to get myself in a position where I'm ready to go all the time is definitely something I got to keep in the front of my mind. And that's Nate Lowe, who joined the race for September call-ups with Daniel Robertson, who after midseason knee surgery is feeling good about what he can do to help this team this month. I think getting healthy was the main part. Um, that kind of eased my mind a little bit of, of, you know, just not being behind the eight ball every day, coming into the park, um, trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Just as a competitor, you want to play through it and just be up here helping your team, you know, any way you can. Uh, you're in the big leagues. You, you don't want to give your spot up to anyone else. That's kind of my mentality, and um, just kind of got to a point where I wasn't helping myself or the team, and uh, knew I needed to get something taken care of. So I think I think after I got got the knee cleaned up, it definitely um, gave me some peace of mind for sure to just be able to go out and, and play healthy, and um, the the rest of the stuff kind of just followed and. and didn't come easy but it just it kind of was able to flow a little easier after that and I know what a terrific competitor you are how hard was it to finally say okay I need to get this done and how much better do you feel now physically yeah I mean there's there's still um throughout the rehab process and even being down in Durham it was like you know a couple weeks I wouldn't feel anything and then you know it kind of bark at me here and there but um that's all part of it obviously having a knee cleaned up in the middle of the season it's hard to to rehab it um, the best possible way you know when you're trying to get out and, and play probably I don't know with that all being said I, I, I definitely feel it's night and day difference from where I was um, definitely looking forward to to seeing what happens here in this next month obviously make that, that playoff push and, and make a run deep into the playoffs which I think we're all we all are shooting for and capable of but I think um, you know some proper weight training in the offseason and, and getting back to where I need to be strength wise and um, everything with that is only going to help me but 
to answer your question, how I feel now, it's it's awesome compared to, to what I was feeling. So, that, but that, you know, I, I try to reiterate, I, I'm the one that put myself in the position. I told them I was ready to go out and play every day. So, not here to make excuses, but it's hard to play this game as it is, and it's, it's even harder to play when you're not feeling 100% healthy. But um, yeah, no, just happy. To, I'm just looking forward to turning the page and just. It's been fun to be back here with the guys, having fun with them and, and catching up with them and just, you know, happy to be back in this, this atmosphere. Finally, can September be a jumping off point for you almost for next year too? As in? A positive way. They can kind of carry over oh, whatever. Absolutely. I mean, April, May, June, all that all that seems so long ago. Like, you know, people always remember what you do at the end of the season, not how you started. So um, just looking to, to continue what I've been doing and uh, just let the chips fall where they may and, and uh, just keep working hard and just help this team any way I can. I know I always say that, but it's just we're at a point where we have so many guys, so many good players in this clubhouse that any chance I get out there to play, um, it's not taking for granted and, and do my best to do whatever I can to help the team. So, yeah, September could definitely be big just to kind of just erase, erase what's happened. But in my mind, it's gone. But... Obviously, as, as competitors, as athletes, we always have something to prove. So um, just looking forward to, to doing that. And that is Daniel Robertson. Good to see him back on the field and healthier for the Rays down the stretch. Special thanks to Daniel and, of course, all the guests on our show today. Reliever Chas Rowe, Carlos Pena of MLB Network, Chris Betts, Caleb Sampin, Jack Lebowski, and also Nate Lowe. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, tweet me, at Neil Solons. Next week, we'll hear from Brendan McKay and the rookie Jim Morris 20 years after his big league debut. Special thanks today to my producer, Derek DuBose. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is coming up again as the Rays get set to take on the Toronto Blue Jays on the Rays Baseball Network.